This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Tommy Ibrahim, Network President and Chief Executive Officer of Bassett Healthcare Network. Tommy, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Laura. Looking forward to it. Well, I know there's a lot happening and we're going to talk through some of the big challenges and trends in rural healthcare today. But before we dive into the broader discussion, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background. Yeah, no, happy to. Um, uh, my name is Dr. Tommy Ibrahim. I'm an internist by background, uh, trained uh, Greater Baltimore Medical Center uh, in ba- Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, practiced as a hospitalist and internist for the first, you know, several years of my career before getting tugged into the leadership domain. And, um, you know, I have been very fortunate and blessed over the past couple of decades uh, to uh, advance into larger physician executive roles um, that have, uh, you know, essentially prepared me for um, the uh, incredible opportunity that I have today uh, leading uh, Bassett Healthcare Network. So delighted to uh, spend some time with you today. Fantastic. Well, you know, I was wondering if we could start off with um, talking a little bit about some of the big challenges in rural healthcare today. What are you really seeing on the ground floor and how are you navigating these challenges? Well, thanks so much, Laura. I mean, I think the challenges are, are really copious. Um, you know, we're dealing with uh, some of the other, uh, you know, major um, uh, problems that the healthcare industry in its entirety is dealing with at this current time. Um, but I would also say that rural healthcare in general is exponentially, uh, you know, more affected. Uh, and that's for uh, a variety of different reasons. You know, most are uh, community related um, or uh, just geographically, uh, you know, uh, related. Uh, others might be uh, staffing, uh, you know, related or op- other facets of operations, you know, playing a key role. Um, and and certainly, uh, as a rural healthcare organization, we feel the brunt um, uh, of most of those areas. So, for example, it is um, you know significantly more challenging for us to recruit uh, to our communities. Uh, there's a, a general shortage across the entire industry now for both physicians as well as nurses. Uh, and I believe the recent statistic was actually about 200,000 or so physicians left healthcare just last year and about 100,000 nurses uh, decided to leave healthcare last year. So we're all fighting for the same constrained pool of resources and it's exponentially harder for us in a rural environment to be able to recruit talent to really service the the needs of the community. Um, You know, layering into that, the very unique social determinants of health uh, of rural populations in general, uh, our communities are largely elderly, um, you know, they're uh, poorer, uh, less uh, digitally inclined. Uh, we might have challenges with broadband access and transportation, uh, all of which get in the way of patients truly accessing the care that they need uh, in the way that they need it. And, uh, you know, as healthcare leaders and as a healthcare organization, we have to really solve for those problems uh, as we uh, take into account the needs of our community. And, and we're doing a number of different things to try to address that. And, uh, you know, as an organization, one of our, one of our major, uh, I think, strategic priorities is uh, to align with other partners and other affiliations uh, who are aligned with our mission, aligned with our vision to ensure that we are, um, you know, driving the strategies and the initiatives forward that really make sense for our community. So as an example, we've just launched a major partnership not too long ago with Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, which is a uh, a major venture capital firm, major you know digital uh, innovator uh, in the Silicon Valley, um, and uh, you know the premise of that partnership is to look at how we could begin to really redesign the care delivery system to meet the needs of rural geographies in particular, and making sure that you know we're layering in solutions that make sense for our community. That's just one 
you know, recent example. Uh, another is uh, a broadening partnership and relationship that we've built with Columbia University, where we're bringing world-class cardiovascular services uh, to our community through telehealth. Uh, and uh, again, really optimizing on uh, virtual and digital channels to serve the community in the best way possible. And there's just a number of other partnerships and affiliations and other strategies that we've put into place to make sure that um, you know, we're addressing the very unique uh, and subtle needs of, of rural patients. I love that. I think that makes a lot of sense and it's so helpful to know how you've been redesigning that care delivery system to match your population and the patients that you serve. I can imagine it's so helpful within the community to have those services and access to Bassett in order to uh, have care when it's needed. Now, you know, as we're talking through a lot of, around the staffing and labor issues. Um, obviously, all healthcare organizations are experiencing them to some degree, but in rural healthcare, that recruiting people into spaces that are non-urban, into spaces that, you know, might not be as typical is an extra challenge. So, you know, what is your strategy for recruiting and retaining great talent over the last couple of years, especially what's worked really well and in, in where are you looking ahead in the future? Yeah, it's such an important question. And, um, you know, at Bassett, we're really trying to take a very, um, you know, a thoughtful and comprehensive approach um, to, uh, to this really uh, significant need, um, focusing predominantly on retention. Um, you know, we found obviously uh, that uh, becoming an employer of choice and investing in our people, investing in our culture is the single most important thing that we can do. Um, you know, we, we have great people already, and it's really important for us to make sure that we're putting in place processes and initiatives to, to ensure that they're feeling valued and appreciated for the work that they do. Um, and uh, that they're, you know, interested in staying with Bassett for the, for the entirety of their careers. And that's, that's largely where we have a, a tremendous amount of uh, a focus right now. Um, we've been investing into our people over the course of the past couple of years, certainly since the pandemic has started. Uh, we've layered in about $50 million worth of investments into our workforce. And, you know, we, we uh, uh, very um, happily employ over 4,500 people across the health system. Uh, and, you know, those uh, investments uh, come in the form of, you know, salary and wage adjustments, other bonus payments that we've put into place, tuition reimbursement programs. We've also uh, looked at leadership development opportunities uh, to, to ensure uh, that there's a, a long-term pipeline of leaders uh, into the organization and um, have, have really uh, just tried to, again, connect with our frontline and our leadership teams to ensure that they're feeling appreciated for the tremendous work that they do. That's that's, I think, our first and single most important strategy is to really hold on to the people that we already have. Um, you know, on the recruitment side, uh, it's so challenging because every single healthcare organization is dealing with this right now, and we're all vying and sort of going after the, the same pool of resources. And uh, it's really about, um, you know, who is going to be uh, that employer of choice. And, and you know, I, I think uh, the, the landscape has really shifted in, in, in workforce, and people are looking for uh, you know, a, a place that they can connect to from a mission and values perspective, uh, where they can feel fulfilled, uh, both personally and professionally with their new employer. Um, and I think it all goes back to, you know, creating a wonderful uh, uh, experience for our employees and um, creating a, an incredible culture that people are proud to be a part of. And, and again, we're investing a lot of time and effort, um, you know, in that regard as well. You know, I think on a, on a broader strategic scale, um, you know, we have to also continue to 
to reinvent and re-engineer the care delivery model so that we could also reach broader uh, pools of, of people resources. And, you know, it, it goes back to my original thought about, uh, you know, digital and virtual playing a key role into the future. Uh, you know, we very much believe that we're going to have to evolve uh, towards a, a virtual first model in, in key specialties and, and really allow patients to access uh, their care delivery uh, uh, system uh, through a, a virtual means. And that means looking at yeah, and, uh, APCs and more nurse practitioners uh, to support virtual care delivery services, uh, looking at uh, virtual primary care, virtual ICU care, virtual nursing care. Uh, and other uh, digital means uh, to really create a support structure that's needed for our people, but most importantly for our communities. Absolutely, I love that. And, and definitely that those two pillars of being able to have the great culture and taking care of the workforce, really investing in them. And then at the same time, making sure you've got those tools, the digital virtual care available. I think that's really um, so crucial, especially in the rural healthcare setting. Um, from your perspective, when you're looking at the virtual care areas, um, what does it take to stand up a program like that? And, and are there any, I guess, unique considerations for the rural field as you're trying to connect more virtually and really, um, you know, reach out to a, a rural population with the, the virtual care? Yeah, you know, actually um, uh, at Bassett, we have a, a very solid uh, information technology uh, backbone and infrastructure, and we also have the electronic medical record and, um, you know, virtual capabilities already built into uh, the system. So we're, uh, you know, we're an Epic shop and we've been uh, with Epic for a very long time. There are a number of, of wonderful resources that are readily available to us. Uh, we recently launched a partnership also with uh, Optum, um, who handles a lot of our information technology systems and has really helped advance us um, from a cybersecurity perspective and, and other technology means to ensure that we're delivering uh, the care uh, in a seamless and, and safe fashion for our community. Um, and we've had wonderful clinicians who over the course of the past uh, couple of years, particularly throughout the pandemic, have uh, really um, gotten accustomed and have adopted, uh, you know, a, a virtual platform as part of our care delivery infrastructure as a whole. So, you know, from that vein, we've been very, very pleased and, and very happy with our progress. And, um, you know, we're spending a lot of time right now really trying to understand what uh, barriers might exist um, to, to broadband that, that uh, you know, potentially would get in the way of enabling our patients to access care delivery through a virtual means. So going back to social determinants around broadband access um, and other you know, connectivity issues that might exist that we would have to address holistically to ensure that this is a, a viable and successful strategy. And you know, I'm feeling more and more confident that as we look across the region um, and as, as new technologies emerge like cellular and 5G and, and, and satellite and other capabilities like that, that uh, broadband access will become inevitably uh, much improved um, and, and will allow our patients to really be served in, in the way that they need to be served. So I'm very optimistic um, as we continue to invest in infrastructure and, and um, partner with other regional and national players to ensure that connectivity uh, uh, exists for our people, um, that uh, we will uh, ultimately be very successful here.
That's fantastic to hear. And, you know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about too is value-based care. I know that is something that has been a slow crawl in the healthcare space um, for the past several years, but really is becoming more crucial as resources um, in healthcare are diminishing to some degree of both financial challenges as well as uh, staffing time and, and energy. So from your perspective, what's different about value-based care for rural facilities and where can rural healthcare providers start um, when they're thinking about moving more in that direction? Yeah, it's absolutely the right thing to do. I'm a big proponent of value-based care. Um, I, I believe, you know, beyond just the traditional, um, you know, premise of improving quality and safety uh, and reducing cost, that it's, it's just absolutely the right thing to do for the community and for the patient. You know, really taking a very holistic approach, uh, you know, uh, uh, creating a focus more on prevention and wellness and, and really driving a long-term uh, health agenda that's uh, consistent with our mission is, is the way that, that we want to go and I think is the way that the entire industry must uh, really advance uh, in the very near future. Um, you know, for rural, uh, it's uh, exponentially more challenging to really get on that pathway, and it's because, uh, you know, we operate on razor-thin margins as it is. There's a, a very low risk uh, appetite across the board uh, when you're operating on, on such thin margins, if, if you're operating on any margins at all. And, you know, I think the latest statistic is that 600 or so rural hospitals across the country are at risk of closure. So, uh, it's, it's very hard for rural organizations to be dealing with the, the various different environmental and economic challenges that we're dealing with today and, um, you know, uh, ponder a value-based agenda uh, whatsoever. And, and that's something that I think is going to require uh, some governmental intervention and, and really close partnerships and alignments with uh, other payers across the country to really support uh, the move in this direction. Um, you know, we are very fortunate in the fact that we have been on the value-based uh, uh, journey over the course of the past many years. Uh, we operate an accountable care organization here at Bassett, um, you know, with 18,000 lines and growing. Uh, we also have partnered with regional payers uh, to look at uh, Medicare Advantage and, and other uh, uh, value-based contracting uh, opportunities um, and have performed rather well in, in those areas. Um, and we continue to make investments in infrastructure uh, to ensure that, you know, once we're really ready to turn on, um, you know, risk uh, on a large scale, that we are resourced and we have the appropriate capabilities uh, in place to ensure that we can be successful. And that comes in, in, in many forms, whether it's layering in um, uh, digital uh, analytics uh, and population health-based analytics capabilities, uh, making sure that we have the appropriate um, case management, care management, and patient navigation uh, opportunities uh, and infrastructure. We've recently just partnered with a, a company that specializes in integrated continuous monitoring. And essentially what that is, is, is remote patient monitoring where we're able to uh, track in real time uh, patients' uh, physiological data and, and be able to respond with early interventions if, if needed. And and to try to keep those patients out of the hospital and keep them at home where where they want to be. So we're um, you know we're a little bit further along, and I think we're very well set up um, you know as an organization across this geography to to really take care uh, of a very large population um, that uh, very much wants to be uh, kept out of the hospital and kept healthy and well. I love that. I think that makes so much sense. And, and certainly it's helpful to understand the investment that it takes, not only on the infrastructure side, but also um, within the culture and the teams that you're working with and then your partners across the line, whether it's the vendors or the payers, 
uh, to really get yourself set up and ready to go um, with the value-based care and in the ACO too. From your perspective, when you're having these conversations with especially payers, have they changed much over the last few years? Is there additional urgency, I guess, around them now, or has it really been a continued uh, kind of evolution of, of where these value-based contracts could go? I mean, I think uh, there's definitely an increasing willingness on on both sides of the equation to come to the table and align around common objectives. And I think certainly the payers want to move in that direction. And, and we as a health system, as I mentioned, believe that it's the right thing to do. Um, it, it usually is just about, you know, how do we, uh, you know, find a sort of a common platform to, to work on these strategies and these initiatives together. Uh, you know, are there ways to jointly collaborate or potentially even jointly venture uh, with our payer partners uh, in, um, uh, you know, making capital and infrastructure investments so that we can mutually be successful? Um, and, uh, you know, I think moving a little bit away from the traditional, uh, you know, payer provider negotiation, uh, um, you know, uh, discussions to more of a collaborative and and um, you know, jointly aligned um, discussion that uh, serves a broader purpose. And I'm seeing a lot more, uh, certainly a willingness on, on the health system's part, but also payers to really come together and strategize uh, for what makes the most sense for our communities. And that's really refreshing. Absolutely, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I was wondering, could you talk through the best opportunities that you're seeing for growth and development in the future? Yeah, I mean, we're constantly thinking about how we grow our footprint and, and reach more lives and, and create a, a broader impact across the region. Um, you know, we believe uh, in making continued critical investments in ambulatory infrastructure and ambulatory services is certainly the way to go. And that's something that we're very interested in. Um, you know, we're looking at uh, adjacent communities and um, trying to identify uh, areas where we might be seeing out migration or leakage. Uh, out of the out of the area, and and uh, you know considering key investments to uh, provide primary care and specialty care services and other ancillary uh, support uh, services that uh, would be meaningful and beneficial to the community, and always sort of evaluating that opportunity. Uh, we believe um, uh, you know, making critical investments in the digital uh, space is going to be very important to ensure that we're not only reaching uh, people across our region, but that we're potentially even penetrating broader markets. Uh, you know, with the advent of telehealth, uh, we can uh, we can reach uh, patients all over the country, and we think that that is a exciting growth opportunity for the organization as well that we continue to explore. Uh, we're always looking at uh, how we partner with other employers uh, across the region and, and creating those connections. And certainly, as we continue to evolve um, the infrastructure that I mentioned around our population and, and value-based um, health initiatives, uh, continuing to make those investments and, and broadening our value-based risk contracts um, will ultimately create uh, you know, uh, longer-term growth for the organization that we're very excited about. So uh, without divulging too much information, we have a lot going on, and we're very excited about the future here at Bassett. Absolutely fantastic. Well, it sounds like, you know, a future is definitely bright there at Bassett, and, and looking forward to catching up with you um, down the road here and, and just seeing how this is all played out. So, Tommy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun and insightful conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. I'm honored to have been on. Thank you so much, Laurie. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, 
Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Thank you.